Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Cannon, and I'm the host of Armchair Historians. What's your favorite history? Each episode begins with this one question. My guests come from all walks of life and are people who get really excited about a particular time, place, or person from our distant or not-so-distant past. The jumping-off point is where they become curious, then enter the rabbit hole into discovery, some through scholarly research, others through pop culture documentaries and other podcasts. We look at history through the filter of other people's eyes. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Be sure to like and subscribe. It really does help to spread the word. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find us at armchairhistorians.com. Armchair Historians is an independent podcast. If you'd like to support the show, become a patron through Patreon or buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi. Links to both in the episode notes. Hello, fellow armchair historians, or in pirate speak, ahoy, mateys, Anne-Marie here. Today, I share with you part one of our interview with Marcus Redeker and David Lester about their graphic novel, Under the Banner of King Death. Yup, that's right, we're going to be talking about pirates. If you listen to our most recent mini-episode, You met David and Marcus in our Let's Get Quizzical segment. Not only do we talk about the egalitarian style of government on the pirate ship, we also talk about the evolution of David and Marcus's collaboration and how Marcus's scholarly work is transformed to a graphic novel under the skillful hands of David. David Lester and Marcus Redeker, welcome to Armchair Historians. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Oh, thrilled. So I was at a bookstore in our local community in the library, in our local community the other day, and I've been doing research on early, you know, the early slave trade for a work of historical fiction that I'm working on. And I picked up a book. I was so excited, and I didn't look at the author. It's The Slave Ship by Marcus and... I didn't notice that until this morning that you were the author. So I felt like, oh, that's like kismet. So here we are. And I'm going to ask you and give you both an opportunity to answer, what is your favorite history that we're going to be talking about today? David, you can go first. In a general sense, social justice history. And so the struggle against oppression and those fighting for justice. And so more specifically, the heroic struggles that can be found in the, uh, in the history of labor and the history of union activism. And my father was a postal worker for his entire life, 35 years working life. And he was in a militant union in Canada called the Postal Worker Union. When I was growing up, he was out on many strikes. Uh, it seemed like he was always on strike. <laughs> and one of the strikes was a very long one that the government legislated the union to go back to work and the union leaders defied it and they went to prison for it. The strike continued and eventually they won the right for all unionized workers in Canada for paid maternity leave. 
So growing up, this was pretty profound because it, it wasn't about pay. It was about fighting for a better world uh, across the board. So it was actually a very profound moment in Canadian labor history. And uh, it left a great impression on me because it showed what you could do if you acted collectively and for the greater good. And so it brought all of these ideas of what I think of social justice into one moment. And that led me to appreciate this part of history, which goes back 300 years to Pirates, to the book that Marcus and I have created. And I feel that is one of the threads that links it. And there are other ones in my family history as well. On another personal note, my grandfather was a member of the industrial workers of the world in the 19, early part of the uh, 20th century. And they were a radical revolutionary union. And he joined it in around 1910. And he was involved in the free speech fights and involved in defending the Union Hall against returning soldiers from World War I who were right wing, who wanted to show the Reds and get rid of them. And so they attacked the Union Hall, but he was in there defending it. So, so there's that bit of family history, which I like to link to 70 years after that. I was living in my grandfather's house. He had died in the late 70s. And we had invited a member of the CNT, which is a Confederation of National Trade Unions in Spain, that were very big in before Franco took over the dictatorship uh, in after the Spanish Civil War. And so we invited a member of the union because they had, after Franco died, they had a resurgence in Spain. And so we wanted to find out what was happening there. So we brought him on a speaking tour and he stayed at, in my house, in my grandfather's house. And then one morning after the speech, I got up, got my coffee and went into the living room and he was sitting in grandpa's big chair, big, easy, lazy boy chair. And it was like, Again, the thread of history going back from the industrial workers of the world to the revolutionary union of the CNT in Spain. And then we, again, go back to the, uh, the book that we're talking about today in terms of the history of exploitation of workers and workers' rights. And so, again, I just love the thread that goes through the centuries. And it isn't sort of isolated old history that has no resonance to today. It, to me, it, it's an incredibly contemporary story, the one that we're telling about pirates. And so the, those are two... <laughs> Two family histories. There's a, there's more, but over to you, Marcus. Yes. Uh, thank you, David. I, I love doing these podcasts with you because I learn more and more about you every single time we do one. Brilliant. That's a great piece of family history. I took Anne-Marie's question a little differently, and so I was going to talk about a specific book that made a big difference with me. And uh, as a connection to David's story, I was working in a factory at the time. Richmond, Virginia, just beginning to get interested in a serious way in history. And I found this book by an English historian named Christopher Hill called The World Turned Upside Down, Radical Ideas During the English Revolution. And this was such a brilliant book. It was about these uh, very small radical groups in the 1640s and 1650s they're called levelers and diggers and seekers and ranters, and this is also the origin of the Quakers. But what's so powerful about this is that it was such a great example of what David and I call history from below, meaning the history of the people who were usually left out of the top-down historical narratives. And what you had in this book was basically uh, poor people, poor working people, 
proposing their own solutions to all of the problems of the day. And so this book was a, a tremendous inspiration to me as I began to get more and more serious about history. Then, by good luck, I actually happened to meet the author, Christopher Hill, about 10 years later. He was a, a, the master of Balliol College, Oxford. And I told him about this, I, this story of uh, reading his book. So it, it kind of came full circle. And that book really did inspire me to do the kind of history that I do now and the kind of history that you see in Under the Banner of King Death, the book that uh, David and I have just published this week. Okay. Oh, I just got so much out of that. I love, David, that you tied this back to your grandfather's house. And I've had guests that have taken that question in completely different ways, which I love that. There's no right way to answer that question or any of the questions that I ask. I had a, a guest recently, Emily Strasser, who uh, wrote a book, Half-Life of a Secret, and her inspiration also came from her grandparents' house. And I you know, love that it, you make your history that personal. And uh, I just was writing down, that's why I wasn't looking at you for a minute. I was writing down the name of the book, The World Turned Upside Down. I love that name. So I'll link out to that book and how people can find it. Tell us a little bit about your background and who you are. And David, you can go first. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, in a working class family, as you might imagine, <laughs> with my father being a postal worker. And uh, I was heavily influenced by my older brother and his work in social justice issues as well. But I started doing comics when I was a teenager. But then I veered and I did graphic design for political groups and community groups. And then I veered into music. And so I'm the guitarist in the punk rock duo Mecca Normal. And, uh, rock and roll. Out, uh, <laughs> so I kind of went into that direction for, I don't know, 30 years. And uh, we made 15 albums and we're still active, but because of the pandemic and stuff that things have cooled in that way. But we toured around the world and we are noted for um, being an influence to the founders of the uh, feminist social movement known as Riot Girl. And uh, many of our songs are feminist leaning because of the lyrics of the singer Gene Smith and so that, that was what I have been doing most of my life. But then I've also been a graphic designer, a book designer. And, uh, and so in recent years, probably in the last 12 years, I started making graphic novels. And the first one came out in 2011. And it was called The Listener. And it was about the rise of the Nazi Party and Hitler during the, the Weimar Republic and what led wow. to his being named chancellor. So my book covers that period. And what I found so interesting about it was, of course, the idea that a dictatorship came about during an electoral democracy. And how did that happen? That was the origin of that book and what that was about. And then uh, years went by, Paul Buell reviewed my book, and I became familiar with his work. And then he turned me on to a group in Canada called the Graphic History Collective, which has a group of uh, academics who were using comics to tell stories of labor history. 
And so I got hooked up with them and they were putting out a, a compendium of labor stories from around the world. And I told the story of my grandfather, who was a longshoreman, in uh, a particular strike in Canada. So that began the relationship with them, and that led to another book compilation, and then it also led me to draw the entirety of a book called 1919, A Graphic History of the Winnipeg General Strike. That is a book that I completed in 53 days. So it was this weird <laughs> deadline that I had that was insane. But I did it, and the book came out, and then Paul Buell approached me about doing a book with Marcus about Benjamin Lay, the abolitionist, revolutionary abolitionist. And so that led to doing these books with Marcus. So we did the book on Benjamin Lay, Profit Against Slavery, Benjamin Lay, a graphic novel, and it led to the book that we're currently talking about today and the, the book that we're currently working on as we speak. Yeah, I was reading about that. Um, pirates and punk rock, it tracks for me. It totally, it totally makes sense, right? <laughs> does, it, does it get any better than pirates and punk rock and, uh, you know, and uh, the rebel nature of all of that? Yeah. Is, uh, that could be a lyric. It, there's got to be a, an album in there. So we just need to write it. So, Marcus, let's, let's go to you and find out your background. Well, unlike David, who is quite a, a guitarist, uh, I... Even though I grew up in Nashville, uh, I can't even play the radio. So there is, <laughs> there's, there's literally no musical skill on my part of this, uh, this duo that, that, that we have. But you're a lyricist. Um, you write lyrics. Well, look, David, I'm waiting for you to produce the, the theme song for, for Under the Banner of King Death. And I'm waiting for us to perform the song in the book. Ooh. For the first time, we actually wrote a song that is in the book. So anyway, you can see we've had a lot of fun. But like David, uh, I've been much influenced by the uh, movements, the social movements, the 60s and the 70s. Worked in a factory for several years. That was where my education really began. Uh, and I went into graduate study at the University of Pennsylvania with the specific uh, intention of writing this history from below, because I felt like the history that we had, especially in the Cold War era, was just false. And it whitewashed uh, so much of the past. It left out important actors, ordinary people, uh, enslaved people, women. So that's the kind of history I wanted to do. Uh, and I've written you know, several books of that kind. Uh, in the past few years, I've gotten very interested in presenting history from below to the public in a variety of different forms, and not just a, you know, a scholarly book or even a, a book published by a trade press, but basically I, I made a documentary film. I've written a play with a distinguished playwright, Naomi Wallace, about Benjamin Lay, whom David mentioned. This play is going to open in London uh, this coming June. It's called The Return of Benjamin Lay. When in Lay. June? June 13th, I think it is. I think I'm going to be there. I wonder if there's tickets available. Not yet, but, but we'll make sure that, that you get one. Oh, that uh, would be swell. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the, the graphic novel uh, thing that we've been doing. And as David said, we've finished two of them. Both have been uh, very well received. Uh, 
David and I are just on the same wavelength when it comes to this kind of work. And, and Paul Buell mm. uh, understood that in advance. He saw that we were both interested in history from below. David's work on the 1919 general strike was uh, fascinating, really a, a great piece of work. And so we've uh, we finished two of these graphic novels. And we have a third one underway right now about a an Afro-Irish uprising in the city of New York in 1741, based on a chapter in a book that I co-wrote with Peter Leinbaugh called The Many-Headed Hydra. So, uh, you know, I don't know what David's future plans are, but I keep I plan to keep going on this graphic novel track for quite a while. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I love it. it. <laughs> And you are a professor in Pittsburgh, I think? Yes, I'm a professor at the University of Pittsburgh, where I've taught since 1994. I teach courses in early American history and Atlantic history. I'm teaching a course right now on the history of the Underground Railroad, which, which is the subject of the book, the, the traditional history book that I'm writing right now about how people escaped slavery by sea in the 19th century. It turns out thousands of people did so. And so this is a much bigger thing than we've previously understood. Uh, Our view of the Underground Railroad is all tied to escape by land, but escape by sea was actually much safer. Interesting. Wow. And you're humble because you said you've written a couple books, but you've written a lot of books. You're a prolific writer. And uh, I think 12 books or something like that you've written? Something like that. Yeah. So just one side note about Pittsburgh. My Part of my family lives in Pittsburgh, and my sister, Coletta Perry, is the mayor of Crafton. Wow, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was excited to see Pittsburgh. I love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's amazing. Yeah. The title of the book is? Under the Banner of King Death. Pirates of the Atlantic, a graphic novel. And it's based on one of your books, Marcus, uh, which is Villains of All Nations? Yes. Okay, so uh, maybe, Marcus, you can kind of tell us the background of uh, the book, you know, that it's based on. And then I want to know about how the graphic novel, how the collaboration on that went and what that Mm -hmm. looked like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, I in 2004, I published this book, uh, Villains of All Nations, uh, Atlantic Pirates in the Golden Age. And it is a history of pirates from below during the 17-teens and 1720s. That's the tail end of the Golden Age of piracy. And in that, I talk about the, the extraordinary social experiment that pirates undertook. These are basically just poor, ordinary, super exploited common sailors who decide that they're going to live as well as they can for as long as they can, and they become pirates. And they organize their ships in very democratic and egalitarian ways. And, And this is a stunning contrast to the way that merchant ships were organized and naval ships were organized. And I think this is actually one of the reasons why the uh, the lords of trade, we might call them, the ruling classes of that era, were so keen to exterminate 
pirates. It was not just that they attacked the uh, shipping of the world, and they did that, and they captured thousands of ships, and they caused a, a crisis in trade, in international trade. But they also were providing this subversive example of how you could run a ship in a freer, more democratic, and less violent way. Your, your listeners would need to know that in this time period, the ship captain, whether in the merchant service or the Navy, was an extremely violent figure who could uh, beat or whip the sailors at will. And they did it routinely. And this, of course, is one of the things that drove people into piracy. And this is uh, this is what David and I uh, have emphasized. And in, in, in not just telling a pirate story, but putting into that story the social process by which people made the decision to risk their lives uh, as pirates. So we're trying to give a, a broader, deeper, more social view of what happened and why. And we're also trying to undercut the mythology around pirates, which basically just sees them as greedy thugs. Uh, and they could be violent. They were violent. Piracy was based on the threat of violence, but so too was the world that they came from. It was an extremely violent age. So anyway, we are trying to show that when you ask a different question, and the question being, uh, what did pirates think they were doing and, and why did they do it? Mm. You come up with a very different portrait of these people who loom so large in our popular culture. Now, how we came to the specific story of Under the Banner of King Death is uh, a little odd and maybe of interest in that I worked for a time with a an L.A. film producer to make a film based on Villains of All Nations. And Lionsgate actually took an option on that book for several years. We went through the production process. The film never got made, mm. but in basically adapting that book, Villains of All Nations, uh, for the screen, I wrote a storyline, basically taking a whole generation of pirates and and developing therefrom uh, three main characters and a set of uh, experiences that people went through. And that film treatment actually became the storyline that David and I used in writing this book. David, did you write you the graphic novel yourself based on everything that you were given? And then, of course, the amazing artwork. Were you responsible for all that, or did you guys co-write? Yeah, uh, I mean, we call it the script. And so that's the first stage in making a graphic novel, is to write the script. And so I took... Marcus's detailed outline of the of the story, and I broke it down into scenes the way you would in a film screenplay, with okay. with uh, directions, basically stage directions on uh, on each scene, and dialogue broken down as to who said what. And so once I did that, I then gave the the draft to Marcus and Paul to get their feedback and changes. And so we went back and forth like that over a few months making many versions of the script. And one of the methods that I, I have used is to actually act out the script myself. And I enlisted my partner, Wendy, to do that. So she took on several characters. <laughs> I took on several. And, and it makes a huge difference to say the words out loud in terms of how is it flowing and it is, it, is it coherent as it goes from scene to scene. So that was part of the process. But once the script was approved by everyone, 
then the drawing began. And the drawing process is to first take a pencil and draw everything in pencil. And then the next stage is to ink it all with a pen and then erase those pencil lines and then to paint on it, in my case, with watercolor paint. And so at that point, you then scan the drawings and design the pages and then uh, put the, the word balloons in and the dialogue. And, uh, and then you have a book. And unlike many people who do graphic novels, they do them on the computers, but I actually draw everything by hand except for the word balloons and the text in the word balloons. So, so that, that, in essence, is the process of how we have been making these two books we've done together, and we will continue with the third book we're working on. It's really interesting. There's also a lot of... We re relied on Marcus's book, Villains of All Nations, to write the script... But I also had to do a certain amount of research myself in terms of when you're drawing something, you have to know what did, you know, what kind of clothes did people wear? What kind of hats? What kind of shoes? What? Uh, mm -hmm. And also you have to know from the working class to the ruling class. And uh, what kind of food did they eat? What kind of pipes did they smoke? How did they dance? How did they sing? And finally, how did they talk? And so that was a point of, of much discussion among the three of us in terms of do we really present how they talk in the early 18th century? Or do we do a hybrid of that? And that's eventually, eventually mm -hmm. what we decided to give a flavor of the speech. Because I think modern audiences, modern readers would perhaps have trouble with some of uh, right. if we were completely accurate in terms of how people did speak. And we're going to stop here for now, but there is so much more in this interview to share with you. So be sure to check in next week for part two of my interview with David Lester and Marcus Redeker when we talk in more detail about the pirates and the inspiration for the book. But in the meantime, be sure to check out our episode notes to find out more about David, Marcus, and the graphic novel Under the Banner of King Death. Also, if you haven't done so already, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. It'll help other people find us, but most importantly, you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.